Oh, let's get it. Monday, April 25th, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, however you got here, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. I am back at least for a couple of weeks. Uh, I went out to support my family with the passing of my grandmother and the funeral will be in a couple of weeks. I am going to go back for that. Uh, but again, before that, we had Vegas. We're going to try to get in a fresh episode out during that time. But as always, I'm a one-man band that is blessed with an, a strong intern team. Uh, but it's it's difficult sometimes to get an episode, a fresh episode out and all the associated materials out uh, as well on, on very short weeks that I have sometimes. So uh, we're, doing our, we're doing the best we can. No new ratings or reviews since I've been out of pocket. No surprise. If you haven't yet, please consider writing a review for Born the Battle on Apple Podcasts. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover Born the Battle, listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans, and how they overcame their own challenges. They get to also listen to our benefits breakdown episodes like this one and hear what's in our news releases. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you. You write a review. I read it. I respond back. It's a, it's a good back and forth. There are, there were a couple of news releases this week, uh, mainly changes in leadership, former guest and chairman of the veterans board of appeals, uh, chairman Cheryl Mason is vacating the chairman position as the new administration is looking for a new chairman. That was a lot of chairmen's in that sentence, a couple of sentences. The national veterans creative arts festival in St. Petersburg is finishing up on the day this podcast drops. But a very important news release dropped while we were out, and it said, for immediate release, as part of the Department of Veterans Affairs and White House National Suicide Prevention efforts, on April 15th, VA published a notice of funding opportunity for over $51 million in suicide prevention grants. Grants will be awarded to organizations that provide or coordinate suicide prevention services for veterans at risk of suicide and the families of those veterans. Organizations may apply for grants worth up to $750,000, as well as apply to renew awards from year to year throughout the length of the three-year community-based grant program. VA will host a technical assistance webinar for grant applicants. That's all. There's a link for that also included in the news release. You can find the entire notice of funding at federalregister.gov. You just type in Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox in the search bar, and you'll find it. It'll be one of the, the first ones to pop up. Applicants can also download the application package at www.mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash SSG Fox hyphen grants. And at that web link, there's a, a, a plethora of other information as well. If you're developing something, a program, an app, a therapy to prevent veteran suicide, it's worth checking out and applying for those funds. All right, so this was supposed to drop earlier this month, but again, personal things happened. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. In this episode, we're going to explore ways you can help prevent sexual assault within VA facilities, because as you listen to this episode, it does happen more often than, well, I can't speak for everyone, 
but it happens more often than I thought. Marine veteran Layla Jackson is the director of VA's Assault and Harassment Prevention Office, and she helps break down what this office does for veterans. Enjoy. If I accidentally say a swear word, you just delete it out later. I'm I can. Kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've had to. <laughs> hey, hey, we're dealing with veterans here, you know? That, 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 stuff, that's, that's, this stuff happens it's sometimes. Emmy. <laughs> it's Emmy. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a Marine. I get that. That's Absolutely. Right. Um, well, Layla, it was, it was so good that uh, we're talking today. Um, when, you, when you first contacted me, admittedly, I, you know, I thought you just wouldn't talk about the White Ribbon Pledge, and which I thought was a VA internal thing, which wasn't really what I thought fit for the podcast. Yes. But, th- but then you shared statistics um, that you shared with me about sexual assault and sexual harassment and how it affects so many in the VA community. Um, both with customers and employees, by the way, let's, let's make that That's apparent. Right. Yes. Um, and it's a thing that can happen both ways, both male and female, female and male. Uh, would you mind sharing the audience, what you share with me as far as those statistics? Yeah, I'll be happy to. Um, first of all, thank you for allowing me to come on to yeah. talk about this. It's not a sexy topic. Uh, so, you know, even sexual harassment is not sexy. Yeah. And, uh, so I so appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk. And it's also a topic I'm not familiar with. I kind of stay out of that arena. You know, I kind of stay away from that. Yeah, I kind of stay away from those types of individuals. So, um, no, yeah. So, I'm totally a lot, very naive when it comes to the subject as well. So, no, absolutely. Well, there was a a study, VA, the Women Veterans uh, Health um, Program commissioned a study from uh, the Office of Research. And they surveyed women veterans who get their care at VA medical centers. And about 25% of the women who were in the study said they had experienced sexual harassment. And so as they dug, wow. that's a lot, that's like one it is. in four. Yeah. yeah. When we talked about that, I was like 20, I, 25% of women. I was like, wow. Uh, and this was just, yeah. just women though. Right. right. It was, as as- it was a survey in this particular case because it was commissioned by the women's health office. Okay. Um, so they, they only uh, interview women, but I will, t- and women veterans. And I'll tell you though, we know that both men and women, let's be clear, experience um, harassment, yeah. sexual harassment, um, sexual violence. Um, the CDC, the Centers for Disease and Prevention um, has a lot of stats you can you'll see the same thing if you google uh google it but um nationally one in three women say that they've uh, experienced sexual violence in their lifetime and one in four men have experienced sexual violence in their lifetime so it's not it's not a male female yeah no those are big numbers those are those are big numbers and i thought that when you even brought that up i was like wow uh, wow Um, i do want to tell you um i think it was really important to note in that study um, those women veterans who were a, a part of that study said that um, of the 25%, over six, close to 67% said that the sexual harassment um, pertained to cat calls. Things like, hey, baby, hey, sexy, hey, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. those, you know, sexually charged words, talk, some said they were stalked, you know, things like that. So they really, I think the um, the researchers did a really good job just doing a deep dive uh, into what did they mean when they said they were sexually harassed. So they were saying that people were saying they weren't calling them veteran Jackson. They were calling them, you know, out of their names, uh, particularly. So that's, okay. that's sexual harassment. You know, yeah. unwelcome communication, unwelcome um, comments uh, of a sexual nature, that's sexual harassment. Sure. Absolutely. Um, 
So what was the percentage of that were, were cat calls? 67%. Uh, 67% of the 25%. Yes. Making sure we're getting the the, yeah. the, math, the math from Marines right on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember so, that. I remember that yeah. chorus. <laughs> well, we were all forced to take that. Yes. Um, no, no. So I just want to make sure that that math's correct to make sure, but still, that's, that's yeah, still an alarming, alarming rate. Um Without without naming names or naming instances or but but talking about some some things that have been fully investigated, uh, you talk about catcalling. What what are some other examples of harassment assaults that have happened? Um, well, as I'm a, I served twenty years in the Marine Corps and I'm pr- I wore the uniform and proudly wore the uniform. Took great pride of my service. Um, you know, went everywhere the Marine Corps told me to go. And so when, um, and I think most women feel the same way who have served and men. And so if you, one of the things we hear often is someone says, you were a a Marine or you were, you were a military, no way, no way that you could have been in the military. They don't make, (laughs) they don't make, or women shouldn't have served in the military, you know, you know, really condescending things like that. So it's like disparaging their service. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, or we have, and we're really working on this in VA. Um, we've had women veterans, you know, we work, we really are working on this. Women veterans have gone to the check-in for their appointment and our our person, you know, the uh, MSA, the person at the desk has said, who are you here for? Your father? Are you here for your father, ma'am? Or, you know, is your, is, you know, they just assume that it's not the woman that's standing in front of them, Yeah, and, you know, and it's, you know. And I've seen some of the, I've seen a lot of the, the training that, that the VA has kind of come out with internally, you know, when you got to take your annual training, just like that's in the military, right. you got to do yep. your annual training here yes. at VA. Um, yes. But that that's actually included now in some of that. But, um, you know, like you said, looking at you, when I was looking at your bio, you have a very interesting background, a Marine Corps veteran. What was your MLS? I was what we call an 0170. I was a okay. personnel officer. Um, I started out as enlisted, uh, you know, we call it 01, but I was admin uh, clerk. 21 or 51. Uh, I was actually a five one at first, uh-huh. <laughs> basic administrative clerk, and then I quickly uh, became a service record book clerk and a unit diary clerk, and yeah. trying to learn as much as I could. and And I was able to get picked up for one officer, and I uh, became a one officer. And then as an officer in the Marine Corps, I got the opportunity to be, you know, public affairs officer, equal opportunity manager, you know, mm-hmm. uh, vote legal officer. You know, you just. Mm-hmm. Whatever the extra jobs are, you know, I got to do it. And it was actually great because you really learn a lot. You know, I was able to, you know, just really pick up a lot of skills that have helped me do things here in the VA. My my first ad my first job in the Marine Corps was was at 01. 01 is that right? That was my first. Oh my goodness! Know, I, I then moved on to combat camera and stuff and did yes. and, and intel and stuff. Yes. Yeah. No. Always what brought me in the Marine Corps. Yes. Was the 01 field? So yes, a lot of, lo- lot of love for him. Yes. Um, you, you graduated from University of Maryland, University College. To me, that tells me you were getting your degrees done simultaneously while building your career. That's right. Because um, I, I dabbled in, in, in UMUC for a while. Um, a little bit of acquisition background, I see, which means experience in either buying or providing services for the government. That's right. Um, fellow for the White House Leadership Program back in 2019 within VA or with, you know, the only one from VA to go to that program. I don't even know what that program is, but it sounds cool. It was cool. Um, it was cool. For a whole year. I got to go away and work at the White House for a whole year. It was incredible. Great. Yes. That's great. Uh, director of multiple offices and initiatives within VA. It's an instant career that I would like to explore more as a normal episode. Yes. Uh, but this is a benefits breakdown episode. We're here yes. to break down, break down your office. So you're now the director of VA assault and harassment prevention office. 
Um, so this, ta- this office is tasked with bringing down not only sexual assault and harassment. Is it also ta- tasked with preventing like violent um, assault? Yeah. Well, we really focus in on uh, ending harassment and sexual assault. And our office is a strategic office at the at central office in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so we really um, try to look for strategic efforts you know, we look for gaps in policy. We look at things like, do people have a way to report harassment if yeah. they want to report it? Um, you know, we look at, you know, um, just ways to make it easier for veterans to feel welcome in the VA. And it doesn't yeah. matter how you self-identify, or self-identify male, female. We believe every single person who walks into a VA facility should be treated with respect uh, and should be welcomed. We all, we earn it. We earned it. If you raise your right hand and you want exactly. to, you know, that's you should right. Be, you that's should right. be treated, you should be treated with all, all, all respect and, uh, and get the healthcare that you deserve. Absolutely. And the exactly. benefits and all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, how did your previous experiences, uh, the ones I just alluded to, how have those led you to this role within VA? Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm really lucky to be in this role. Um, because, um, I, um, you know, I'm a Marine, I'm a Marine veteran. And, you know, once you've served, you're always, you know, you've always served. It's with you. It's a part of me. And so I get to continue serving um, for, you know, uh, veterans like me. And I think what prepared me is just really understanding VA, understanding my own, just my own walk as a, a woman veteran. Um, and then, you know, my own experience in the Marine Corps, you know, for 20 years. And yeah. so that I was able to translate those, you know, those feelings and beliefs uh, into this job. And I'm lucky because I have a great team that I work with. I have super supportive leadership. I mean, it wasn't my idea to set up this office. Um, I one day, actually, when I came back from that White House leadership program, the, you know, the boss said, hey, what do you want to do now that you're back? And I said, well, I want to work on something that's super important for this administration. And I want to, I want to make, I want to make an impact. I want to do something that's important, that's complex, and I want to make an impact. And he says, ha, I know what you can do. He, you know, he said, you know, I'm hearing from uh, veterans that they're being harassed. I'm hearing from uh, veteran service organizations that we need to do something about it. And um, I need your help. And, yeah. and it was just me. It was like one of me, you know, and then he allowed me to hire a few people to help me uh, in this office. And I've been collaborating across, uh, you know, Veterans Health Administration because, you know, there are uh, folks who have experienced military sexual trauma, for instance, who might come into a facility and then they're harassed or, or someone touches them inappropriately, that could trigger something. And so I want to make sure that they get the resources they need. So I collaborate with our uh, MST colleagues, uh, also the intimate partner violence assistance program. We know that even during COVID, there's been a huge rise in uh, uh, intimate partner or domestic partner violence in the home. And so more time together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we want to make sure that folks get exactly because you're right here in the house with them, you know, so you want to make sure that we want to make sure they get the resources they need, the the help they need. We want to save every single person Um, and we want to educate people. Tanner, Two years ago, right before COVID, um, we did this qualitative walk. We had every medical center director and his leadership team do what they called as a qualitative walking tour. So they walked around, they talked with staff and veterans, VSOs, VSOs who were, you know, veteran service organization officers who were in the building. And they asked the medical center directors and their teams, ask uh, folks, how are things here? 
have you experienced sexual harassment here? What is your experience? And what can we do better here at our facility? And we collected all of that data. You mean they did? You mean they did leadership? Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. They got out of their um, office. They walked around. They yeah, talked to people. Get out of your office, and yeah, they did, <laughs> yes. they did leadership. Yep, um, that's right. So, that's right. And I, I want to make one thing clear. You, yes. you, you're not working for any administration. You work for oh, VA. No. You're a VA employee. I am. So, so it's not just any administration. It's all administrations. No, this is what you. That's right. Know. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And so, um, yeah. So yeah. So I just quick, quick question. You're kind of you're kind of there now. Uh, yes. Uh, how so? How you got you? This office was formed in what what year? Twenty nineteen. Yeah, the vis- He has a vision in twenty uh, twenty nineteen. He actually okay. spoke it in twenty nineteen. This sec VA did. Uh, no, this actually, the, yeah, the under yeah, well. Yeah, Undersecretary well, Health did. The Undersecretary for Health did. And then okay. soon after the Undersecretary for Health did, then the secretary came on board and he started okay. talking about it. Then the president, you know, in his administration yeah. started talking about it. But I have yeah. to say one thing for sure, even though he asked me to stand up this office, VA has been really working on ending harassment for a long time. People yeah. have seen campaigns, you know, for years. We have respect uh, posters in our, you know, pictures in our facilities, you know, so it's not new. Yeah. Uh, they just created a new office so we could put more attention to it and more Makes resources sense. to it. Makes sense. So, so what is the purpose of this office for veterans? The purpose of this office for veterans is to get their input on how you know, to make our facilities uh, more welcoming, more, uh, more safe, um, to make sure resources are available for them. For instance, one of the things that our office just did was we launched a survey. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the V-Signal survey because anytime you go, a lot of times yeah. you go to a medical appointment, you get this little survey uh, after you come in to your, go to your appointment. And it's just this new survey that we just launched in October asked the veteran, was there anything that made them feel uncomfortable or unsafe? And that could be sexual harassment, sexual assault, or anything else. And uh, veterans are actually responding to it. And we're seeing things. And we, we, you know, hasn't always, haven't all been about sexual harassment or sexual assault. Some has been like, your COVID protocols need to be squared away at my facility, things like that. You know, um, you know, we've heard veterans say, hey, you know, we need to have more police presence at our facility. Um, but we've heard a couple things about, you know, the cat calls. And so sure, we sure. really want to hear that. So, And we ask them, do you want us to contact you? And then we do. When they say yes, we actually do contact them to find out what we can do uh, to make it better for them. What's it mean to you to be in a position like this where you are in, a, in effect, you can affect a veteran's life? Uh, being a veteran yourself, you're able to affect the community that you're a part of. It's it's a wonderful feeling. I have to admit, I feel like I'm in a. Um, even though it's not the, you know, it's not like being the astronaut, you know, or you know, it's not one of those. Not like being Tanner. It's not one of those great jobs. Oh, shut up. You know? Shut up. <laughs> it's true. It's not. It's not a sexy job, I, but it no. does feel like I'm serving. I know yeah. that I'm helping people. I know. I know that I'm paving a way for a person to report harassment if it happens. I know that, you know, now that I'm, if we're, if we're successful, more people will come into VA to get their care. That's important. And yeah. those, you know, those scoundrels, those ones who are bad actors and doing things they shouldn't be doing, people will feel empowered to say something to them. We just, yeah. you know, we just wrote out uh, what we call bystander intervention training. If you see something, you've heard this on the Metro in DC. If you see something, say something. We yeah. want to empower people to say something. 
Um, you know, if they see something that's not appropriate, we create this training. It's online. It's free. It's web-based. You can pull it up on your cell phone. Yeah. And I sent the link to you so you can share it with, with your uh, listeners because we want them to take it. We'll also we'll also put it in the, a link into the blog on blogs.va.gov of this episode. Absolutely. And, Thank you. And, and, I, and I don't want to vilify some of the what we call bad actors, some people that just, you know, it's hard to change culture sometimes. That's uh, right. Spe- especially when there's uh, been a culture – that that has needed to be changed for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. you think of Mad Men. You think I, I, I immediately when I think of the subject, I think of Mad Men. I think yes. of uh, Anchorman. You know how things were in the seventies, and and women fought back in a different way back then. And 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 people that were you know they just had to have a quick wit and 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 made them feel smaller, made them feel silly. But now it's gotten to the point where it's like, no, we should probably this has to change deep. And and that's right. You know they're there are some people that have just, just never been called out before for 30, mm-hmm. 40 years that and they mm-hmm. think they think it's okay. So I don't want to, unless they earn it. Okay. And there's people that earn it. Yes. Um, but I don't want to vilify some of this action. I, I you want to call attention to it, but you don't want to, yes. you don't want to shame or, or you, no. you, I mean, you don't want to ostracize the people. You want them to learn. That's why we have sexual assault awareness month. It's am, to, am, am I accurate people. on that or, or You're not? absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, as a case in point, when they were doing that qualitative walking tour, you know, two years ago, it was right before the pandemic kicked off uh, in the fall of 2019, they were walking around and several people said, I did not know that what you're saying is a cat call is a considerate cat call. It meant, I thought it was a compliment. And we hear that all the time. People are surprised. You, I thought I was trying to give you a compliment, dude. I wasn't trying to say anything that was offensive. Sometimes people just need to know. And yeah. I heard this one woman veteran say um, that that actually happened to her. And she said she made it a teaching moment. It's good to just let people know. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, no. people have no bad intention. Absolutely. And and like I said, changing culture is tough, especially with mixed ages and time frames That's and generations. That's exactly right. Yes. Um, but it is important to, to, to make these changes. To, so, so all, like, like, again, the mission is to make feel, all veterans feel welcome. That's right. Uh, and so they can take care of their health and, and they can feel like the VA is a place that they can trust and have a good experience with. That's right. Um, so one of these initiatives is, is the white Whip ribbon pledge and I've kind of, you know, you, you're, you're very passionate about it. Yes. Um, why? Because it's, it's, when I saw the posters go up again, I, I, I thought this was an internal VA thing. Yes. But you're saying it's an anybody thing based on past conversations we've had, we've had. And why is something like a pledge important for you? Because to me, it's saying something and doing something are two different things. That's true. Right? That's and, true. And, and proof is always in the action, not the words. So why for, for you, why is this pledge important? Well, you know, I took the oath of office and, you know, those are words, you know, raise my right yeah. hand. I made that commitment. Every time I got a promotion, I had to do the oath of office. Uh, every time I reenlisted, I had to do the, you know, the oath of office. Sure. And I took it seriously. Um, even when someone says, hey, will you pledge some money uh, to whatever campaign they're running and they're, you know, I'm collecting money for my uh, my kid's school. Will you pledge $5? I pledge it, but then I follow through and I, and I, give the $5. And so I see it like that. The white ribbon VA pledge is, is a, it is a pledge. Uh, it's a simple pledge, um, but it, it calls to action. Everybody, everybody can take an active stance to end sexual harassment, sexual assault, or a domestic violence. I love to say the pledge really quick. Tam, if it's okay. Okay. So the, what we ask people to do is, you know, to say their name. I, Leela Jackson pledge to never commit 
excuse or remain silent about sexual harassment, sexual assault, or domestic violence against others. So whether or not, so if you, you may not be a person who's, who's offended anyone, you've never done it before, but with those statistics that I mentioned earlier in the nation, not necessarily in VA, but in the nation, one in three, one in four people experience sexual assault. That means that maybe you haven't committed it, but you may know someone who has. And certainly- Or you be in the environment. Exactly. You may see it. I mean, you may see someone doing something and you're just remaining silent. And I will tell you, sometimes people remain silent because they don't know what to do. Like, I am not sure what to say, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to ignore this. Or sometimes people just don't want to be involved. And we believe that you can still be an active bystander when you see something. You don't have to excuse it. You don't have to remain silent. You don't have to go in directly and do anything about it. You could just go tell the police or you could tell somebody in charge. You could, you know, or if you're comfortable with your your buddy, just say, hey, guy, what's what's the deal? Why are you why are you doing that? You know, it's because we do that all the time in the military. We police each other. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and I actually receive it better when a veteran, you know, another veteran's talking to me, you hear it differently, you know? So I think everybody gets a chance to take an active stance. It's a personal commitment to help others and to be actively ending harassment uh, in our facilities and not just our facilities in our communities. We've had some, you know, some celebrities take our pledge, um, a couple of, um, uh, NFL, NFL player, I think it was Philadelphia Eagles. We had a Boston Celtics, uh, player uh, take the pledge because it's a simple pledge. It's really just saying, I'm not going to tolerate sexual harassment or sexual assault, period. End of, the, end of discussion. And it's not just during sexual assault awareness month. It's no. all the time. And it's not, like I said, it's not just for the, that's why you're having other people say it for, for outside the VA. Cause that's right. The Boston Celtics player is not going to come to the VA facility, but they right. go to the Boston, they go to the Boston garden. That's right. Know, and that's right. I, I could see, I could see that being an environment of, of, of that type of stuff. So yeah, um, ab- absolutely. And, and like you said about, about, um, you know, a fellow veteran, I, I, I always took things better when it was like a fellow Lance corporal or a fellow corporal or, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, them shoes are untied, you know? So I, I, I can, I could see, I could see that behind that about being an active participant. Um, and I got a story, I actually got a story about that, but I'll, I'll say that for a little bit in a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, okay. So before the, this interview, you went out and solicited from a couple of veterans, uh, some of these instances that, that look like, uh, you know, that were sexual assault, sexual harassment that, that and you sent these to me. Um, and, and I want to listen with you and, and the audience get a chance to listen to them and then, and then we could talk about them. So I'll go okay. with the first one here. Okay. I'm a Marine Corps veteran and I use VA healthcare for all of my needs. This particular incident was several years ago and I was in a waiting room at a VA medical center. There was one man in the waiting area and I was just reading my book. Then I heard a VA employee come out of his office and tell the man, Hey, I saw you take pictures of her. Let me see your camera right now. That is not okay. The man was caught off guard and sure enough, the man had taken several pictures of me without my knowledge. The VA employee made him delete them right then, and that was it. I was soon taken back from my appointment, but I was still forced to sit there in this waiting area with him in the meantime. I recall feeling very uncomfortable and wished someone would have addressed the situation with me. I felt very violated. I was just stunned and didn't know what to say or how to react. Later, I realized it would have been nice to have follow-up from someone at the VA about what had happened, offer a discussion with a mental health provider, or to even know if there's a reporting procedure for this in the future. I am so thankful that VA employees stood up for me and said something. I also have experienced many other times when crude comments were said to me by male veterans about my appearance or body. 
Anyone commenting about my body or appearance in any way is unnecessary and unwelcome. I want to help get the point across that if you wouldn't say it to your daughter or granddaughter or father or grandfather, then do not say it to a fellow veteran. Again, so th- so these are uh, from a couple of veterans um, about what some of these instances could look like. I think it's th- I think this one is really interesting because uh, our Marine brethren that that, that talked about uh, she was very analytical about reflecting on the situation, mm-hmm. um, both in the por- support that she did receive and the support that she didn't receive. Yes. Yeah. What was your takeaway from it? First of all, I was thankful that she shared it. Because a lot of times people just keep it. It festers. Sometimes they don't come back to VA, you know. Yeah. And in her case, she may have never even known if if that. I'm so happy that if, there's so many dynamics there. I'm yeah. so I never got the name of the employee who who did something, but he just happened to be watching what was going on. He stopped it. That's called direct. He took a direct action, and he could have been super busy and just said, Ah, yeah. He's not, I don't, I don't think I, I see what I think I see, but maybe not. And just blow it off. Get, keep going what you're doing and, and didn't do anything, but he didn't. He actually did something. He told her, I do wish we had talked with her about uh, the help that she could get. Um, I, I do hate that um, she remained in the waiting room with this guy, you know, or this yeah, person who did that. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but we've learned from it. You know, we have sure. learned from it and she's, you know, I've talked with her. She's good now, uh, but she clearly vividly talks about that. So it, is Dev definitely, you know, still with her? It's creepy. I mean, if someone yeah. say, "I don't care who you are, male or female," someone's secretively taking pictures of you. That's just not right. <laughs> and and oh, we talk about the, you know the vilifications. Hey, that's somebody that knows that they're doing wrong. That's that's not that's not yeah, a. Hey, I didn't definitely. know. Yeah, I, that's not a. Hey, I didn't know. Uh, yes. Sorry, yes. sorry, dude. Lance Corporal don't know. Don't work on that one. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I think it was great that she shared it. I, I think it's great that uh, you know. I, I love the analytical piece of that one. What, what VA could have done better uh, and what, what actually VA got right in that scenario. So yes. that's good. All right. Next one. One of the biggest factors concerning sexual harassment and prevention still remains education. Uh, even today, too many times I've witnessed individuals making jokes or offhanded comments without thinking about the effect that that comment or jokes has on their audience. Uh, Even recently, while sitting at a a VA clinic, I overheard a uh, veteran, male veteran patient come out of a back waiting room into the lobby area and make a comment to the nurse in the reception area that next time he comes in for his exam, he'll be sure and wear something sexy for her. Immediately, he was uh, spoken to by a supervisor in the reception area at the VA and and let him know that that comment was unacceptable uh, and uh, was not going to be tolerated there in the VA clinic. Uh, And watching the veteran, I observed he became very uncomfortable and embarrassed, uh, repeatedly stated he was sorry. Uh, He was merely joking, uh, trying to lighten the, the mood. Uh, but clearly he didn't think twice before he made the comments. So I still believe that uh, we still have quite a ways to go in in educating uh, people and letting them know that uh, those those type of comments and and jokes, if you will, 
are are not acceptable, and they do they do have an effect on on the individuals uh, that hear them or are the recipient of those comments. So I I think if we continue our our education efforts in that area, that uh, we can begin or continue, if you will, to uh, create a culture change where we can finally uh, get to a point where we're eliminating uh, sexual harassment. So with that one, you know, he talks about changing culture, something that he witnessed. It wasn't something that was directly happened to him, but I think this one goes to where it goes about, you know, changing culture is tough. Uh, and, and, you know, seems like he, for him, you know, that the, and I'm just assuming, okay, I'm not, um, but it seems like that could have been a thing where it was like, I just, this was just who I've been for 40 years or 50 mm-hmm. years or, or, um, but again, I, I know very little about this because admittedly I didn't go to the doctor or the VA much. I don't, I don't until recently with my post COVID stuff, I got a lot of long COVID issues lately, but I personally, I witnessed something similar when I was sitting there, um, in cardiology and I was talking to this old timer, this old farmer, uh, Marine or no veteran. I don't, I don't know if it was a Marine. We got talking about football, seemed like a nice guy talked about, <laughs> then he talked about being incarcerated and I was like, okay, um, cool. welcome back to society. Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, you did your time. Cool. Um, seemed like a nice guy. And then he made a passing comment to a, a nurse as she walked by and, and she didn't show any of her cards. She just ignored it. And I was like, dude, I was like, this ain't prison no more. I was like, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't, it ain't 30 years ago. You, you can't be going around saying that kind of stuff. And he, he generally, he like, he was taken aback, but then he was like, all right, times have changed. And he was like, yeah, times have changed a little bit. It's just stuff that's not okay anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, it took me three or four visits to see something like that, but yeah. I did see it, you know? Yeah. So I was, and then I thought immediately back to our initial conversations and, and I was like, okay, now I kind of see what Layla's talking about. Um, but again, it's important to change that kind of culture because I think, again, it's, you want to make every veteran feel welcome and safe and that they can trust that they'll have a good experience at VA. Um, that veteran talked about education, education within the VA community, about within the veteran community, about what's okay and not okay. What is VA doing to educate and help change that culture? One thing that we are doing is um, the bystander intervention training that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Like um, uh, the, the the employee who actually came out and stopped the person from recording, that's yeah. called direct. It's taking direct action. And some people feel comfortable going direct, especially if the person, you know the person or you're comfortable. But sometimes that's not the way to go, to go directly to a situation because uh, it just creates chaos sometimes. You might just want to tell somebody and that's called delegate. You go tell the police or you tell a manager or or distract. You might just say, hey, you know, do you know what time it is or where, you know, can you tell me where the lab's located? Can you show me, you know, you just sort of distract that whole conversation, get that conversation uh, redirected from what yeah. they're, what that person is doing or just document like you're, if you're, you know, but BJ, you know, he watched the whole thing happen. And if that supervisor hadn't come out and said something, he could have just written down what he saw and handed it over to someone and maybe they would, you know, investigate it or hand it over to the person and say, look, I saw everything that happened 
if you want to, you know, if you want to report this, look, I got the name, dates, I got everything for you. Here it is. And here's my name. So we, we created a bystander intervention training. Um, this very, um, uh, I think we think it's pretty diverse. We think it's easy to, to follow. It's only 30 minutes long. It's online. Um, and so we, because we want to empower people to do something, they see something, feel empowered to do something. When they were doing those qualitative walking tours um, a couple years ago, a couple of people said, hey, I've never seen anything like you said, you know, it took me a few times and I never saw anything. Um, but so then you might not know what to do when you do see something because you've never sure. even experienced it. I have to tell you, for me, I, I go into the, D, uh, to the VA uh, probably a couple times a year, not a lot, but I've, I personally have never been harassed. In a, never in a VA medical center. I've never been harassed. I have, you know, I've had my experiences on active duty, um, but you know, <laughs> I was in the Marine Corps and things, you know, things, it was a culture thing. And, but I think the culture cha- okay. is changing. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think the culture, I think now in the Marine Corps, people are talking, you know, saying this what, is not right. You know, what, what years did you serve? I was in from 83 to 2003. Oh, so you're in the eighties in the Marine Corps yeah. as a female. Yeah. And a lot of times I was the only woman in my unit or, you know, sometimes, you know, there were male vet, male uh, Marines who would say, you're the, you're the first woman I've served with, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I was a hard charger. I wanted to be the, you know, top of my game all the time. And so you never yeah. wanted to appear as weak. So there were times I just didn't say anything because I wanted to be strong. You know, I wanted to be a Marine and, you know, yeah. just blow it off. And I think that's what happens. Even now, I think people just blow it off. Like that nurse that just kept going, you talked about. Yeah. yeah. You know, she just, you know, I like she and, didn't hear it, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I think that kind of goes back to the fifties, the seventies, the, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they, or they just snap back and, and try to deescalate it in that way. Um, yeah. you know, but times are changing. Um, I think it's important to recognize that. Okay. Um, say something has happened that maybe you witnessed or, um, or, or not witnessed either a veteran employee witnessed it or something. Um, what options are available? If you're at a med- if a veteran's at a medical center, we want them to report it. They can, uh, you know, go to a police officer. We have, you know, VA police all over the place at our medical centers. We also have patient advocates. We just recently put up signage in our facilities and every medical center. There are signage that says, if you know, harassment won't be tolerated here. Um, if you want to report, please see the patient advocate or the VA police. And they will make sure that they take your story. They'll make sure you get in. You're okay. You know, that's the main. Our primary thing is we want to make sure the person is okay because it's, it's not okay to touch someone inappropriately. You know, yeah. we'll escort them to the ER if they need to go to the ER or whatever to get, you know, make sure they get care first. That's the first thing that we think about. Um, and then we want to record, document what happened so that we can investigate it. We can make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, like your scenario where you uh, and also think BJ's scenario. Sometimes people really don't honestly don't know what they're doing. And it's sometimes it's just a conversation to let them know. Um, but if they're but the, habitual, but, the, but, but they're, they're taking the photos. Uh, the fo- yeah, 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 that won't be tolerated. Yeah, that's not yeah. tolerated, right? That's, and that's, we, yeah, you can't, you can't you can't say I I I didn't know that was wrong. Right. That, right. That's a that's not a culture thing. Right. That is egregious. Right. And maybe that person, uh, that person may need to get their care somewhere else. You know, not in the medical center because it's not it's not right. They wouldn't do that in a maybe in a mental health. hospital. You know, <laughs> it's not right. And it's, it's probably illegal, you know? Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, but, but you, hey, caveat off that, you can, there, there could also be um, 
so many issues with that veteran too that nobody even knows. Yes, about too, so. and that's and that that is one thing I wanted to point out. We have um, a um, a committee at every medical center. It's called the Disruptive Behavior Committee, and hmm. they have trained professionals who actually see all of those cases. They actually think about not just the person who experienced it because it's traumatic if you've experienced it, but they also think about the person who's causing, you know, who's the alleged offender, if you will, the person who actually did it because they want to make sure that person's taken care of. There may be things that's causing that person to do what they're doing. Um, They may be having some major problems in their own personal lives, you know, who knows? And so we don't want to assume we're hot. We are the VA. This is not, you know, we're not a civilian community. You know, we're the VA and we want to make sure that every single veteran uh, it gets the care and the respect that they need. If you, you know, that that's, I think that's the bottom line. I think that's the real big takeaway that I really want people to know. And that's not tolerating the behavior either. Like not, it, it, that's you're right. still going to be held accountable for your behavior, Yeah. but, but you know, maybe there's something, you know, that we something's going know. on. That's yeah, right. It may be something, something it may be something going on, going on with that person. Uh, they may need some help, but also they'll tell them what the right, you know, the proper behavior is at the facility. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just telling a person. Yeah. And sometimes they, 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 it's just, there's no explanation. You can just leave now, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. There's that too. Um, and then, okay. uh, I want to tell you, Tanner, we, we actually sent out letters to 16 million veterans. Uh, we began sending those letters out in December. We sent, um, for those veterans who have emails on file, we sent emails to them, but then those who didn't have emails on file, we sent letters. So they would have gotcha. gotten a letter from the VA signed by Secretary McDonough saying that we have a harassment free zone at VA. No harassment's not tolerated here. These are our resources. If you want to report harassment or sexual assault, these are the people that you can talk to at your facility. Uh, we give them a list of resources, you know, our mental health care, our intimate partner violence assistance program. You know, if they want to see someone in military sexual trauma, we have a coordinator at every facility. Speaking of intimate, yeah, speaking yeah. of intimate violence uh, prevention program, uh, we did a, also benefits breakdown with them as well. So if you're listening yes. to this and you want to know what, what that office is all about, please listen to it in our archives. I like I said, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm, yes. and I'm, and I'm playing every scenario angle just to, to represent as many people, as many scenarios as I can in something like this. And I'm not advocating one way or the other. Yes. I just want to make that, make that, make that apparent. I just want to, I just want to make people think deeper than just what service level things could be, you know? Um, okay. So there's, those uh, and all those plenty of options that you talked about, we can always, again, send me all the links. We'll put yes, them in the I blog will. for this episode on blogs.va.gov yes. and you can share it and we can share it and yes. everybody share it and everything I will. good. Yes. Um, knowing that most are, are male and female, uh, whether it's a veteran or VA employee, we, like you said, we have had instances where it's female to male or even male to male or female mm-hmm. to female. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Got it's it. yeah, absolutely. So, but none of us, right. It's, it's, no, no, you know, absolutely not. and so we're, and I think there's some, some um, people don't understand that people think the stereotype, you know, they have this stereotype that oh, only men harass women. That's wrong. Men harass men, women harass men. You know, women and women. I mean, it's it's it's, it's genderless. That's yeah. why the White Ribbon VA pledge is genderless because it's not the White Ribbon VA pledge uh, originated from White Ribbon USA, and they they are you know specifically saying men you know do not harass or sexual assault women. We changed that pledge to White Ribbon VA because we feel like it should be genderless and no one should be. Uh, everybody should be treated with respect. Bottom yeah. line. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. 
Okay, Layla, is there anything that I may have missed or haven't asked about your office or maybe there's a parting shot you want to uh, impart on, on somebody that's listening to this that you'd like to share? Yes, uh, thank you for that. I, I think uh, what's most important to me is that um, people don't suffer alone. Ask for help. Don't, if it happens to you, if you're at a medical center and someone says something that's not right, God forbid, someone touches you inappropriately, uh, don't go away and, and don't do anything about it. You know, please report it. Please get help. If you need help, we have lots of services. We've improved. We even have apps. We have a MST app now. I mean, we have a PTSD app. Um, we're, we're just trying to make it easier for folks to get their um, um, benefits and services that we have earned. And I, I think that's the main thing I want to just get across. Don't suffer alone. Get the help. Report that person. Let us know about it so we can do something about it and keep coming to, to VA to get your care. Absolutely. Th- Layla, thank you for spending the time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks for, thanks for expanding more on the initial conversations that I was having on this, on this topic. Thank you. Um, you know, like I said, the, the stats alone really, really opened my eyes. So um, with that, we are out. Y'all have thank you, Tanner. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere at each VA Medical Center nationwide, a Women Veterans Program Manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. I want to thank Layla for coming on board the battle. For more information on Layla's office, you can go to va.gov forward slash stop hyphen harassment forward slash index dot ASP. Every day, our digital media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and with a blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate the veteran in your life by emailing in a bio and about five photos to newmedia at va.gov. Hailing from Oklahoma. Rosemary Hogan Luciano graduated valedictorian from her high school class. After graduation, a doctor in her community sponsored a scholarship for her to train as a nurse. Once she completed training in 1936, Luciano joined the Army Nurse Corps and commissioned as a second lieutenant at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Luciano remained there until transferring to the Philippines. She arrived in the Philippines days before the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in 1941. Following the attacks in Hawaii, the Japanese began bombarding targets in the Philippines, like Fort Stotzenberg, where she, where she was, and Clark Airfield. In mid-December, Luciano led a group of Filipino and American nurses to LeMay on the Bataan Peninsula, west of Manila, to establish a military hospital to care for the wounded. The hospital later moved closer to the front lines, where Luciano served as an assistant chief of nurses until the spring of 1942, when a bombing in the operating room she was at injured her. After the surrender of Bataan in April, Luciano and her comrades prepared for evacuation to Australia, but when the nurses' aircraft landed at Medanio to refuel, damage prevented the aircraft from continuing to Australia. The Japanese captured Luciano and several other nurses, imprisoning them in Santo Tomas University in Manila. Despite her status as a prisoner of war, Luciano continued to serve as a nurse in the camp and worked to resist the Japanese. According to her, two th- according to her 2019 page on the Oklahoma Nurses Association site, She and other nurses smuggled money, 
clothes, shoes, food, and medical supplies to the American soldiers in the POW camp through a Japanese doctor who visited both sides. The nurses tended to patients in the camp, many of whom were American or British civilians. While Luciano and the nurses were in the camp, service members called them the Angels of Bataan. They remained in prison in Santo Tomas until February of 1945, when the American forces liberated them. After recovering and returning to the United States, Luciano transferred to the Air Force Nurse Corps and was promoted to colonel in 1958. She was one of the first four women in the Air Force to be promoted to colonel. Luciano served as chief of nursing at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia and Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi. She married Arnold Luciano in 1962 and then retired from the military. During her service, Luciano received a Bronze Star, a Purple Heart, and a Prisoner of War medal. Fortunately, Luciano died in June of 1964 at, age of, at the age of 52 and is buried in Arlington National Cemetery. The Oklahoma Aviation and Space Hall of Fame posthumously inducted her in 1997, and she is also one of three women inducted into the Oklahoma Military Hall of Fame. Air Force veteran Rosemary Luciano. We honor her service. Ready. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veteran and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly day and night rain. Simplify till we're down another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Point, click, pull the trigger to the tune of falling brass. And a purple heart And a Russian-made bullet in my bag Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them, boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gunner bullets fly Day and night rain Simplify, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one